share just for a few minutes. God's put something on my heart. We're talking about the heart of the house today, and I want to talk about a verse that has been inscribed on my heart. You know, I've been pastoring here for 14 years. I was a youth pastor in Ohio, and uh, God brought us here, and I've just been so touched by God, and He's done so many amazing things. And in all the years of doing ministry, like there's been so much adversity that has come and challenges that have come. And uh, I, I grabbed this verse and inscribed it on my heart. And I just say to all of you as parents and families and, and um, young adults and, and, and students, I, I, I speak to every one of you and say, look, you need to get this inscribed on your heart, man. You need to grab this verse and make it a life verse in your life. It's Psalm 127. In verse number one, if you have your Bibles, you could go there with me and, and maybe uh, mark it in your Bible or highlight it, maybe put it in your heart. When I start reading it, most of you will probably know it. Psalm 127 in verse number one. The Bible makes it real clear to us as fathers, grandfathers, and he, he's speaking to us as, as parents and he speaks to every one of us as believers. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house. And there's two important lessons in this verse that I've had to grab onto and, and to hold to. And the first one is this. It's rest and work. Rest and work. I have to rest in his presence. I have to rest in his love. I have to rest in his finished work at Calvary. But there's also a work side that I have to, I have to work the word. I have to activate the word in my life. I've got I've to physically take that word and I've got to apply it into my life and make application of that word. And, 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 and it, you know, there's this reliance side of this thing. Like I'm relying on God. I'm trusting in God. But there's also an action side of my faith that I, I have to take action to what God's telling me to do. Together, they, they equal faith. It's rest and it's work. It's reliance and it's action. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, that, that word uh, substance, it, 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 it's the confident assurance. It's the thing that we hold to in our lives. But if you go over to James and you read James 2.26, it says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And he's teaching us that, that there's a partnership here. You need both in your life. You need a confident reliance in God, but you need action with your faith. Our homes need both. As parents, as, as grandparent now, I, I've got to activate God's word in my life so that I actively am living as the priest of my home. So that I'm showing my children a lifestyle that exemplifies a, a character of God. It ought not to be in our homes that we're screaming and yelling and fighting with each other. And that we come home from work and because of the hard day and because we've been in the marketplace and, and we're working and we're trying to get everything together, we come home. That needs to be a place of refuge in our lives. And it's our responsibility to activate that word in our lives so that our families know that this is a place where the house of God resides, where the presence of God resides. We are the temple of the living God. In this verse, God's talking to us about him building the house. And, he's, and it also says that 
talks about us laboring to build it. They that labor, it's a partnership. God will bless his house. He'll bless us as instruments of building the house of God. So many people are waiting on God. They're waiting to see what God's going to do. And they're, they're, they've built their life in church now, and they're waiting on God. But let me just tell you, it doesn't work that way. You can't just sit back and wait for something to happen. You've got you've to take that word, activate it in your life, and step into the things of God. There's action on our part. And we need to take steps with corresponding actions of faith. And when we do, God opens the doors to bless our lives. Can I just tell everybody, God can still open doors for you? Some of you are retired now, and you, you, you've retired from business, and you're like, okay, that's it. I've done all that I can do, and I'm just telling you, if you ain't dead, you ain't done. And God can still open doors for you, the wisdom that you have, the ability that you have inside of you. If you'll let the Holy Spirit anoint that and bring his glory upon it, there's still so much more to do. And for the young kids and the teenagers that were up here praying for the sick, I'm just telling you, God can open doors for you. God can give you favor. Proverbs 24 and verse 31. Take your Bibles and go to 20, Proverbs 24, 31. It says, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. It's that partnership. You prepare the horse. The horse is prepared for battle, but God brings the deliverance. God does what we cannot do. There's this partnership. If we would do our part, God will do his part. There's a trust, and there's a preparation. God's calling us to advance the kingdom. And let me just tell you what I sense in my heart, what God's been speaking to me over the last couple months and what God confirmed to me last Sunday in the tabernacle. God confirmed it again in my heart, and God says, you got to advance the kingdom. You can't stay here. Can I just tell you, this has been an amazing place, this building that God has given us, this, these four walls, but we can't stay here anymore. We need God. We need the spirit of the living God to guide us, but we've got to take steps towards getting into the new property. When you saw all those souls being saved last week, and when you saw all those hearts being touched, it's God saying to me, you've got to get, you can't stay here. I say all the time, come as you are, but you can't stay that way. And I'm telling you right now, in your marriages and in your homes and in your walk with God, he's brought you so far, but you can't stay where you're at. You've got to advance in the kingdom of God. You've got to see yourself walking on a higher plane. You've got to see yourself living in an anointing that sets the captives free, that brings people out of bondage and into his marvelous light. You've got to see yourself that way. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's the same truth. The watchman needs to be alert, but the Lord protects. I, I'm so thankful we've got this great security team, and I love and I honor our security team here, and they watch over me. They protect. They, they, they're just amazing. But I'm telling you something, the security team that is amazing as they are, they're not my protection, God is. 
They're not your protection. I'm telling you, they're watching over us, trying to make sure we're all safe. But let me tell you something. The Lord is the one that we put our trust in. And every day when you wake up, you got to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he's going to direct our paths. And when you do, there's a promise in Isaiah 26, verse 3, that is yours and it's mine. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When we trust in the Lord, there's perfect peace. You know, early on when um, Bobby and I were praying about coming to Naples and starting the church, I met with Pastor Caton and he spoke to me about three harbor lights. Remember that? When you're making a big decision. Do you remember what they are? I know you remember what they are. Yeah. Here, Bobby, give me the mic. If you're making a big decision in your life and there's transition in your life, what are three things you need to look to? Well, there's three things. First of all, get God's uh, anointing and direction. Secondly, your peers that you hang out with, you want to get affirmation from them. And third, a spiritual authority in your life that says yes and amen. Amen. Three harbor lights. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I've listened to that. I, I've allowed that to uh, be so strong in my life. And, and here's what I know. When I'm making a major decision in my life, I need, I need those harbor lights. I need those confirmations in my life. And the first thing that I want to tell you this, there's two things, two questions that I ask myself when I'm making a big decision. Number one, is God leading me? Is God leading me? You need to ask yourself, is God leading you? Some of you that are visiting today, could it be that God's leading you to this house? Some of you that are here today, could it be that God's leading you? And you need to know, is God leading you? The second thing that I always ask myself, have I done the best that I can do? Have I done the best that I can do? And I honestly believe that God is leading us to the new location, and now is the time. See, in my heart, I had this in my heart that we're going to take our time. We purchased the property. Let's get the property paid for. Let's raise some cash. Let's build this thing cash-free, and we're, and we're not going to be in debt, and we'll just, ta- we'll just take our time with it. But I'm telling you, because of I don't know the reason, but I just know the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now is the time. Make the move. Prepare the people. Get, 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 get ready, and let's do this. And that doesn't mean when I'm telling you, have I done the best that I can, that I don't make mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I, I, I thought that I, I had heard from God and that we were going to build this building out to about 450 seats, that we, this is approved for 25,000 square feet of building space. We've got 89. I said, okay, we'll build the other uh, building space and we'll make a sanctuary that'll seat about 450 people, and that'll be good. I'll be good with that. But the Lord, man, he, 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 just, he put a brakes on that. We spent almost $70,000 trying to get the county to approve us with a site plan to build out that, that, this property. And I, I, and I went to the Lord, and I'm like, man, what happened? What happened? God said, no, this isn't, this isn't where I need you to be. There's something else for you. And then God opened the doors for us to buy that nearly 50 acres of land five miles from here. I honestly believe that God is leading us. And I honestly believe that I've done my best. God is guarding us, and he's guiding us, and God is building our hearts. When you read Psalm 127, it's all about family. 
It's all about children, your, arrow, your, your quiver being full of arrows. It's all about children. It's all about families. And I believe that's what we're about here at Destiny Church. And I'm, I, 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 I'm going to ask Bobby to come, and I'm going I'm to try to give everybody just a little bit of our history, and she's, she's going to come sit with me, and uh, we're, we're going to just, we're going to talk about this whole process, because the Holy Spirit brought us here from Ohio 14 years ago, and when we first drove down the Mockley Road, we were trying to, we were staying at Pastor's condo, he had a condo in a sterile. And he said, take a week's vacation. Just go to my condo and rest. And we drove there. And uh, Bobby, maybe you can just share what it was like when we got off of the Mockley Road and started driving. And uh, the Holy Spirit just began to speak to us and, and speak to our hearts. And um, um, well, yeah. let me see. So... Um, we were youth pastors at Church on the North Coast for um, nearly like 14, 15 years total we were there. Um, so it was in 2004, and that was when Pastor just saw like this new anointing he, he told you, um, and he called us to come out of youth ministry and just to be um, like associate pastors with him and just to help with pastoral care um, it was a large church in Lorain, Ohio. So, you know, youth ministry was that we were like 17 years, and that was like all we knew. And, and so um, I was like, okay. So we were like, okay, we'll pray about this. But, um, and he was so patient with us. Thank you, Pastor, just being so patient with us. Um, but we, we came down. We were actually here in Estero um, visiting at, at their condo on vacation when he called and asked us that for the first time. And that was in 2004. And there was like, in 2004, so much transition. When the Lord is calling you, he makes things clear. Like everything in our lives had changed that year. So we spent a couple years of, of associate pastors of just pastoral care. And really it was training for what the Lord had for us. And so um, we were here on, in October of um, 2006, and at that time, the market was, like, going crazy. Many of you remember that time, and um, we, we knew, like, okay, this was, this was, we had gone to Raleigh, North Carolina, and prayed that weekend, and nothing. We really wanted, I really wanted to move to Tampa. I loved, we had friends there. We had, um, I just loved that area, and we spent a weekend there, and it was clearly nothing. The Holy Spirit was just silent. So that October, um, we spent the night in Estero, and we got up that Sunday morning. We thought, okay, let's go to, let's just drive a little south and go to a couple different churches, and we'll just pray. And if this is where the Lord wants us, then he'll speak to us. And this is where Pastor and Pastor Tina said, I really, really believe this is where you should go. So, you know, like, any teenager, you know, we were like trying to figure this out on our own, but parents, listen, your parents <laughs> know, know best. Um, and so when we got off of Mockley Road, we, we went to Faith Bible, which is funny because that's right in the front, in our front yard right now. Um, and we went in there for a few minutes. It was like, okay, we just visited there. And then we went down to Eagle's Nest and just to visit, just to see what what was here in the area. And as soon as we got to Gulf Coast High School, 
And Holy Spirit, he spoke clear. He said, this is where I want you. And we both started like crying and I, we just saw this vision of revival and that football field full of just a revival of teenagers and an outpouring and that high school. So we just knew like the Lord put a yes in us that day. And so we had also went and visited a couple other churches, but that, that day we, we came home and we said, okay, Pastor, Pastor Tina, we're, we're going to Florida. So we knew like that was, that was where we should be. So let me, let me, um, let me give some honor. Um, is Richard still here? Richard Gerber? He left. Okay, so Richard was in my youth group back in Ohio. And Ryan, Ryan, would you, Ryan you and your wife stand and up? Loran. This is Ryan and Loran. So today. they were in my youth group back in Ohio. They're here visiting today for the first time. Our first trip to Israel, we took 19 teenagers to Israel in 2005, and Ryan was a part of that group. Yeah. And I believe, Ryan, have you ever heard of Masada? Like there's this plateau, Masada. Well, we were there on top of Masada. And Greg and I were, you know, with the tour, so we're walking around. But we had 19 teenagers there with us, or 19 of us total. And all of a sudden, we started feeling like this, it was shaking, this tremor. Like, they rolled a stone over the side. Ryan and another guy picked up a big stone and rolled it over the I think it was Richard and Keith and Ryan. started an avalanche. An avalanche on Masada. I thought they're going (laughs) to, we're never getting out of Israel. They're going to hold me here forever. It was a fun trip. But Ryan's mom and dad, Gary and Sharon, would you guys stand, Sharon? Would you and Gary stand? They're such a blessing. We were on staff together at North yes. Coast. Give them a great big welcome, Thank everybody. You. We're so honored that you're here. Amen. We so, love you. So God had his hand on our lives, and God brought us to, to, to Naples here. And we started at Gulf Coast High School. And uh, how many years were we at Gulf so Coast? So that was, um, so we moved here 2007. Well, we started at Hampton Inn. And we started just Sunday nights at the Hampton Inn. And then we um, had, like, in July, we started at the Gulf Coast High School on Sunday mornings. So then and that was in 2007. We were, how many years were we at Gulf Coast? And That's why I have her We were there for five years. Five years. At Gulf Coast, setting up, tearing down. Yeah, yeah. And then a church contacted me about taking over their church. It was Abundant Life. Steve Soto was wanting to move to North Carolina. He said, would you take over my congregation? I said, no, I don't but want your congregation. But after setting up chairs for five years and three trailers of chairs. You're Pastor leaving. Jason, There's a reason you're yeah. leaving. I don't want your congregation. So no. that auditorium held seven, like 800 seats. How many are in here that came from Abundant Life? Would you yes. stand up? Thank you, Lord, Everybody for came Abundant, from Abundant Life. Life. Amen. So we found Amen. abundant life at Destiny Church. Amen. And uh, so, you know, we've got so many in first service and that have come in tonight's service that came from the Abundant Life merger because they had contacted me and said, I think you're the most spirit-filled guy and we're a spirit-filled church and want you to take over. We ended up doing that. We moved to Palmetto Ridge in the auditorium. It seated a lot more people, and so it was a, a natural and fit. We were there for like three years, and then we bought this building. And then we bought this building from Roy Chuck. This was the Faith Community Nazarene Church. And they had shut the church down because the building was sinking. It had a a meter on the back, and they had a crack that they were monitoring, and that crack was getting a little bigger all the time. And one day, 
we were renting this facility for our daycare. We had our daycare here. And um, we, one day the county came in and said, we're shutting this building down. You're not having church. You're not having the daycare in here tomorrow. And we're like, oh, what are we going to do with all these families, you know? So we opened up our offices and turned it into a summer day camp and made it just so the families could, till they could find a place to put their kids. And so we had a summer day camp there, and the kids were, were there. And then um, after a couple of years, Pastor Roy called me and said, hey, uh, I lost my, my battle with State Farm. I was uh, going in litigation against State Farm trying to say that it was a sinkhole that the building was on so that there's funds for that and they would repair it, but he lost, and they said they found buried sediment in the ground from when they built the building, and that's why the building was sinking. So he had to sell the building and asked me if I wanted to buy it, and it was this quick. He said, so I'm going to put the, the building on the market, and I'm going to ask you first, are you interested in the building? And I said, just like this, let me pray about it. Yes. yes. <laughs> We're definitely in it. We're definitely interested in it, and we Honestly, I don't know how God worked it out where we could buy this building. We were a young church, and we didn't have a whole lot, but the Lord uh, opened the doors for us to buy this building. And we've been here now how long? Seven years. Seven, right, Gail? <laughs> about, about seven years seven. that yeah. we've been in here. We're in August. And, seven um, years. So it was just last year that we made the determination, you know, we're going to buy that new property, but we've got to update this building we're never going to be able to sell the building till we update the building. We're never going to be able to facilitate what God's doing. We could sense a wave of the Holy Spirit coming over the house. And we're like, we're not going to be able to take care of the children. Because you guys make a lot of babies, man. Yes. Oh, my goodness. We've be got families with five, multiply. six. Ben, how many you got? Six or seven? Six. Six? But we're praying for seven. We're praying for seven. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but we've got families with a lot of children. We knew that we needed some time here. And we needed to update the building to get it ready. So we started that project. It was about $450,000. And I had a lot of people that really loved this house that came to me and said, Pastor, I don't think we should put that kind of money into this property. But I felt like I was a word from the Lord and we needed to do it. And um, we remodeled it. And so last year, it, it was just an amazing thing. And we're almost complete with everything here. But I had a family... Um, a, a couple churches contact me and say, listen, we want to buy your building. We hear you're going to, you bought the new property. Would you be interested in selling us the building? And I wasn't, I wasn't sure because I was thinking we should go a little slower and not try to get out there, but just maybe work on getting that building paid for. You know, if we could just get the location paid for, that may be the way to do it. But I was, um, we have a daycare. Alyssa runs our daycare. Alyssa, would you stand? Alyssa runs our daycare, and she's doing an Thank amazing you, job. Amazing, um, amazing leader. But we have a year and a half left on our lease there at that property. And I'm thinking, I don't want to, you know, look, it's a ministry for the church. We don't operate on the resources from the daycare. It's a real ministry. And so the Lord began to put in our hearts, maybe we should build the daycare first out there so that we can get the daycare moved out there when that lease is up. And then the revenue that we normally pay for rent over there would start coming into the church, and maybe that's the way to go. So we started all the plans to do that, and then I was uh, sleeping, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and told me, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, let me just take you through some slides and show you real quick. So this... this Mockley Road. It's right across from Bonita East. 
So, okay, next slide. That property. So I said, she said, will you come out and look at it? And I said, yes, I'll be there. When you want me there? And she said, come out. So Bobby and I went out there, and this was the property that we, we, we looked. We live out here in Valencia Lakes at the time, and we would drive by this property every day for 10 years and claim this property. God, that's your property to be used for your plan, your purpose, and your glory. We've done Jericho marches around this thing. We prayed and prayed and prayed. For 10 years, we believed God for this property. It's about 43 acres of land. And so, um, supernatural, let's go to the next slide. So you can see. road here called Rivers Road. We own all the way back to the next road back there. And um, let's go to the next slide. So Right there up front by Immokalee Road. So you'll see it real good from Immokalee Road. But I left these two big sites. That's 100 by 100. That's 100 by 160. I think it's 180, 100 by 180, and 100 by 160 is what those are. And so I left those up front thinking that maybe at some point we may want to have an assisted living up there or a place for our seniors, a place where they, they could live. So we left that like that open there. Then we got parking all in where the paddocks are up here. And then the daycare would go in here. And we had the idea that in, in Florida, it gets pretty hot in the summertime. I wanted to do a covered play area for the kids in the center. So we built a big play yard, built a big play yard right in the center. We designed it that way. Um, so this will be a turning lane that we have to put in. And then the access road that will come back to get us to the tabernacle back here where the church is going to go. Okay, so next slide. That horse barn, back when Hurricane Irma came through, the shingles had ripped off the building. The owner knew that he wasn't going to keep the property, so he didn't fix it. So it was starting to rot in, in, in the roof. So the first thing I had to do was put a roof on that. So we contacted a, a, a roofing company, and they put a new roof on it. Inside was a riding arena. You can see there's...
little barn where the kids meet for youth group where we have our men's group on Thursday nights as well. It's called the, we call it the dwelling place. And then there's the house that's right there as well. So this is the Greek Orthodox and their property. Our daycare is going to go right here in the front, in this front section. So we've got all that worked out. And then we own, this is all real high and dry back in here. It's very good land. We've got a little house right here that's rented out. And then in the middle of all this, the neighbor that lives here, his name is Joe, and he's a super good guy. He lives in Hell, Michigan. And whoever wants to live in Michigan is rough, but to live in Hell, Michigan, that's really rough. We love them. But, but I love them, and, and I've, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting he and his wife, and they're precious people. They've not been to church yet. They don't go to church, but the Lord put them in our lives. Well, Joe had just gotten back from being up north, and he said, I want to see your property. So he came over, and he wanted to go through the barn, and he was so encouraged with the way everything was looking, and he said, man, you've really cleaned the place up. It looks so nice. He said, guess what? I just bought that five acres right there by the barn. He said, it's really rough condition in there, and I wanted to get it and clean it up because we have to drive by it every day to get to our house. So I wanted to clean it up. And I said, man, that's great, Joe. That's a great piece of property. That's what we, sh we should have bought that as a church because the houses are like right here close to the barn. And I said, that'd be a good property for the church. He said, well, why don't you buy it then? I said, no, no I mean, it would have been good. I wish we would have bought it. He said, no, look, I don't need the property. I was just buying it. I've got so much property. I was just buying it so I could clean it up. You guys get it. I'd rather the church have it. So I called the lady. She was a Jamaican lady who lived in New York. I told her, Joe told me to call her, buy the property. And she said, yeah, I'll sell it to you. So we bought that for $535,000, $535,000 with two houses on it and a big pool house. It's gorgeous. But it really what it did for me is it took away all the complainers. I, we own the whole block. So it's like if they complain, they're out. Go find another place to live. And Joe is only here January, February, March, and then he's gone back up north, has a, a big real estate company there, and they're just precious people. So we own this property here and then all of this all the way back through there. It's been an amazing blessing. You can, you can see this. in the back and uh, so that's what we turned in the county everything got approved with the county and so now I had this 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 thing where the Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night and said I want you to take and move the church into the new daycare building so if we go next slide And it had elevated roofs so you could get air coming through it. I thought that'd be great in the summer for the kids. But the Lord said, move the church there. This is 60, uh, 67 feet wide, and it is 80 feet long. 
Okay, so it's 5,800 square foot. This is 3,600 square feet. This is 60 feet wide by 60 feet long. And so when God gave me the idea of going there, I, I reconfigured all the classrooms over here, made a big lobby, put a couple of big bathrooms coming in. And so we would come into our sanctuary. We'd be able to see probably another 100 people or more in this sanctuary. And so while we're building out the tabernacle, which is where we're headed to, we would stay in here. So basically what we're going to do is trade this building for that building. Okay. So I have a, a, a signed contract on this building that gives us 18 months to get this building built. And more if we need it. And he said, more if I need it. But I'm, I, I talked to our uh, civil engineers this weekend, and they said, or I talked to them Saturday, or Friday, and he said, we should have our responses back from the county. This is the third submittal. And he said, everything is approved, we believe, and we should have everything back on Tuesday which would give us permission to go ahead and start doing all the underground and building this building. So I'm believing we can get this building built in 18 months. Next slide. When you come in that big archway in the front there, and it would still have the trusses, the barn trusses, and look the way it is, but on each side would be two stories. So when you come in, there would be stairs going up to the right and stairs going up to the left. And uh, there would be classrooms and big meeting rooms above and beneath on that. And then you'll come through about the third column, and there'll be a wall there with the bathrooms. And then in this, there's 512 seats on the floor. And then there's a balcony. These are the horse stables that go down through there. They would be kids' classrooms. And the big community room that would go out here. Next slide. So this is the second story. So open... there that would seat a couple hundred people as well. So we are approved with the county at this stage with the conditional use. Eventually we want to get a PUD which takes us out of the conditional use. But at this stage we are approved to have a thousand seat sanctuary on the property. So that, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're moving toward. Okay. And so here's the thing. It, this, this starts Heart of the House Sunday. Okay. And I'm asking you to Psalm 127, partner with us. It's a million and dollars to do the underground for that building to get started. So I, we've got to raise money fast. That'll be done. They'll have that underground done hopefully in, in the next couple months. That would be done, and that means there would be dry, sidewalks going in, there would be a paved parking on that side of the property. And the entrance, the turning lanes, we have to improve Crepe Road as well. So it's a million thirty-five to do that. I've already signed the contract to do it. And I'm coming to the church and saying, in, during this month of November and December, if everybody would pray about what you should do and how you can be a part of that. And um, we're going to raise that money. And then this building we sold for $3.4 million. Amen. To God be the glory, right? And so... The money, 10% in escrow has already been transferred into escrow. I've just got to raise the money to build this building. Eventually, we'll be able to get a bridge loan to build the building from this property, the sale of this property, and then we can pay that building off. And so that building would be paid for cash. Basically, we're trading this building for that building. But it gets us on the property, 
and it gets us there, and we start right away getting our permitting and getting everything done. We don't have to wait till that's built. We can do an addendum to the STPI and start right away getting that new tabernacle built for us. And so I'm asking everybody, if, I'm going to ask the ushers if you would take, and I want everybody, husband and wife, each to get an envelope, okay? I'm going to ask everybody in the house, teenagers, to every get an envelope. Yes. Huh? Every individual, Every individual to get a Heart of the House envelope. They're going to bring those down and pass those out to everybody. And uh, that way everybody would, would take some time. It doesn't need to be paid today. It doesn't need to be paid tomorrow. But you need to ask God. Here's what I'm asking everybody to do, okay? I want husbands and wives, like Glessie and Scott, my sister and my brother-in-law, I want both of them to take an envelope and pray about what they should give and not discuss it together yet. Just take a few days, a few weeks, and pray about it. I don't want anybody, listen to me, this is my heart, okay? This is a hard, this was a hard one for me, and Bobby's been telling me. You know, I just want to say something. We don't, like, to take a whole, like, portion of the service and, and just to like lay everything out, you know, it just, it takes some time, but it's really important because, you know, we, we carry the vision, but it's important that not, it's not just us carrying the vision, but it's all of you. Like it's, we're a body, we're, we're a body. And for us to, to know, like for you, so thank you. And those of you that are visiting, you just get to be a part of this, but this is, this is family, and this is where God's taken us, and, and God has, he has, he told me when we came here, we left, we left Ohio, we left comfort, we left security, we left a new home we had just built, and, and he just said, you know, step out in faith. There's more than enough. There will never, ever be lack in, in the kingdom. So. And there hasn't. Amen. So here's what I'm saying. I'm asking everybody do not give anything unless the Lord tells you what to give. That's right. Don't just give out of generosity and say, okay, I'm going to give 50 bucks or I'm going to give 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks or $10,000. Don't just do it that way. I want you to ask God, what should I give? How can I partner with this church? Okay, so I want you to do that. And here's what I'm asking the husbands and wives to do. I want you to pray separately, and then once you've got it and he's got it, or you both come to an agreement, I want you to come together and look at what each one of you has purpose in your heart. This is what we should give. And then what I want you to do is, is I want you to give Amen. the amount that challenges your faith the most. And most of the time, it's going to be what the woman wanted. <laughs> I don't know why, but women, women tend to think bigger. I don't know. I know in my life, most of the time, if we're in a service and they say, pray about something to give. But you're and, the giver. And, yeah, I do. I'm a giver, but... Usually her mouth's way bigger than mine. I'm like, no, I was thinking like a hundred. You thinking a thousand? No, I'm thinking a hundred. But usually, if she thinks of a thousand, we do it right away. The last time we was with Miles Monroe, he was receiving an offering, and Bobby said, "Be the first one up there." I said, "What if he asks for like ten thousand dollars or something?" Because I don't care. Just be the first one. Whatever he says, give it. And uh, we went you up there. Didn't hesitate. You just went out. There. I went, went right up there, man. I said, "If he don't," Bobby said, "You be the first one." I said, "All right, I'm gonna be the first one." So Miles but if he was hands still, that to, this, to that guy, taking, I'm done. I'm out. He was still she said, taking be the, the first offering. One. If I can't be the first one for like five more minutes, he was still taking the offering. And Greg's standing there like this, like right next to Miles Monroe. Like he just listened. I didn't think he was gonna like just jump up and run up there, but he did. He just stood there and Miles. The whole time I was thinking, though, if he says ten thousand, he's like I'm praying, killing my wife. <laughs> I'm going to give it, but I'm going to kill her. 
Amen. But since then, because yeah. of that obedience, I can tell you, like, because of that obedience, we had $1,000 faith at that time. Like, I did anyways. But, but the Lord took me. He multiplied my faith by 10. Like, he gave me $10,000 faith. And it wasn't my faith. Like, it came from the Lord and the obedience. Yeah. And, and he, he wants to grow our faith. Amen. We're, we're going we're gonna to do that. And, and we're going to receive that. I don't want you to give the envelopes today. I just want you to take them home and pray over it. We'll probably pass the envelopes again next week for people that aren't here this week. But then after that, we won't talk about it a lot. So I just need you to know, I want you to be obedient to God. And I want you to give what God says give. And let, let it challenge your faith, a challenge. Amen. I, I want us to pray over Van and Lisa. And I want Van, if you, if, I know I went way longer than I wanted to. And I thank you for being here today. And I would like for you to share just a little bit, if you would. And we're not in any big hurry. But Van and Lisa, Van was the CEO for St. Matthew's House, the most powerful non-for-profit Collier County has ever witnessed. He brought that to such a level and of excellence and ministry and lives that were touched. Our family, Darlene, has been touched by that. My yes. brother was touched for that by, by St. Matthew's House. And most of you, if you've lived here any length of time, you know what a value mm. they are to us. Van has received yes. a call from God. They're going to be moving. This is his last Sunday with us. He's moving to Georgia, and uh, he's going to be helping a mission there that's been really struggling with COVID, but God's called him to go and to, to, to structure it and to bring uh, success there, and I know that he will. We and I want, I want to you. pray over him, but I want him just to come and share, Van. And maybe if you could just share, like, the reason. Like, why are we giving? Like, what is this all about to you and what it means? And give Van Ellison a great big hand as he comes, everybody. Well, thanks. It, it's been a real joy to serve here in Collier County. We moved here. I moved here in 1993. And at the time, um, it was a lot different. You used to be able to go to restaurants and stuff. And yeah. all, all those guys from Hell, Michigan came down. And it just got complicated. But, but you know what? It's been a real joy to serve God and to make an impact in this community. In the 17 years I was the CEO there, we saw about 25,000 people come through that we were able to minister to and see their lives transform. And, and literally, you know, we were able to raise tens of millions of dollars to impact the lives of the broken. But it was never about the money or the buildings. It was really about those people. And when we talk, start talking about giving to a campaign like this, I think about um, myself back in the early 19... In, uh, Greg and I are the same age. I'm a month older than him. That's why I'm smarter and stuff. But, <laughs> but um, Greg and I were um, graduated high school, went through life. I was a bit of a prodigal and a, a rebel. My parents were in a church. We were starting a campaign. And what they did is they did something similar to what you just did. The pastor asked them, to take their envelopes home, and I'll do something a little different. I'll kind of take advantage of you since I have the mic. And he asked them, put on the name of, uh, put on this envelope the name of the person you need to build a house for, that you need to see in God's house. I was a broken guy on the streets myself. I weighed 119 pounds, slightly thinner then. And, uh, um, and 
my life was a mess. And they put my name on there and said, God, where do you want us to build the house for our son? Give us a vision on what we need for him. And their heart for me dictated what they gave. And as they gave, God touched my heart, and I came forward, and that church became my home. For the next two years, I was in there every day, God ministering. I didn't go to a drug rehab program. I went to the altar, and God changed everything. You know, and I I asked Greg, I said, when the teenagers were up here praying, there's a couple of boys I want, you know, we need to ask them to pray for us that we'll have the strength and the energy to go forward that we'll have their strength and their enthusiasm. And we're going to pray for those boys that God will build a house for them where they can grow and become the men of God they're called to be. That's what this is about. It's about why we're giving. You know, we have a broken culture. No political party has the answers. Sorry, whichever side you're on, you're wrong. So no law will make it better. The kingdom of God will make it better. And so we're moving to Columbus, Georgia. Why? Because God's called us there. Nobody in their right mind would go to Columbus, Georgia. And, but, but we're going there because there's a need, and there's a community that needs to know the reality of Jesus. It's where Fort Benning is, a military base with 30,000 people. There's a lot of, of poverty. There's wealth in the community. There's all kinds of things. But we believe God has called us to make a difference. So I'm going not because I want a bigger mission, but because there's names on somebody's envelope that some mama's praying for her boy. Some kid's going to be at an altar crying and, and giving his life to Christ because of what God has done through that ministry. That's what this is about. To me, it's not about the buildings. I look at those buildings, and I am so grateful. There will be a a place for godly boys and girls to be raised. There will be a place for men to become men of God and women to become mighty warriors. That's what this is about. So for us, we're going forward in victory. We've taken some time, spent some time in Africa, and doing ministry over there and traveling around and have lots of places we could go, but we feel called to a place, and we hate leaving our family here. The great joy of my life today is, you know, we, we're kind of like Greg and Bobby. Ten years ago today, um, adopted my two youngest sons. And so we built a house. God spoke to my heart, prepare to adopt. And so we started praying, and next thing you know, a few years later, I was praying for one, and God gave me two. I should have been more specific in my prayers. But, the, but you know, we had our boys, and so we have four boys. Well, today I'm praying there will always be a church home. So next Sunday, we're going to be in church. We don't know where yet. But, you know, when the Bible says forsake not the fellowshipping, when we look at a broken culture and the world falling apart, we're full here. To reach this county, we need a bigger building. Greg's, Greg's an old guy. He can't preach four or five services a day. So we need to be together so that God will reach this community through us. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, So work before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is about our community seeing that there is a God alive and well in Collier County, People are being saved and transformed. You know, one last thing I'll share. You see the miracles happening. Last week I came forward and wanted to uh, ask us to 
come forward for prayer. I was having uh, horrible pain in my ear and thinking, something's terrible here. I've had this for several weeks, and so the guy I go to ask to pray for me bugs me. He just annoys me. God used him to heal me. You know? It wasn't you, Greg. But it was, um, (laughs) but it was, but you know, God works when his people get together. And that's what this is about. Will God work through us? He's going to work through me because I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be giving and I'm going to be available. And thank you for, for that leadership for us. Bless you.